0: Welcome to Speaking of Partnership, the show that brings you the personal partnership stories of experts from all walks of life, so you can turn their stumbling blocks into stepping stones to healthy, long-lasting partnerships. I'm your host, Ken Bechtel, and ladies, I have a question for you. Are you tired of feeling like you're the one putting in all the effort to make your relationships work? Then go to speakingofpartnership.com right now and click on the big red Tell Me More button and find out how you can get men to do their part. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest. I am so excited to bring you today's featured guest, Ariel Ford. Arielle, welcome to the show. Thank you. Now, for anyone out there who doesn't know Arielle, she is a love and relationship expert and a leading personality in the personal growth and contemporary spirituality movement. For the past 25 years, she's been living, teaching, and promoting consciousness through all forms of media. She's a speaker, a blogger for the Huffington Post, and the producer and host of Evolving Wisdom's Art of Love series. Ariel's a gifted writer and the author of 10 books, including the international bestseller The Soulmate Secret, Manifest the Love of Your Life with the Law of Attraction. And her latest book is Turn Your Mate into Your Soulmate. She's been called the Cupid of Consciousness and the Fairy Godmother of Love. She lives in La Jolla, California with her husband and soulmate Brian Hilliard and their feline friends. Ariel, do us a favor, take a minute and fill in any blanks from that intro so we're completely up to speed on what you're up to these days.
1: (laughs) That's pretty much it. I think you covered it.
0: So where I'd like to start is Just kind of give us an idea of of what you use as a guiding principle in partnership. And, And sometimes it's a quote or a mantra, but something that kind of keeps you on track when you get a little sideways. What brings you back, and how can our listeners apply that principle to their life?
1: Oh, gosh, I have so many. But one of my favorites is this quote called, it's a both and world. It's both the way you say it is and the way I say it is because we're all looking at life through our own particular lens and just because we're not seeing it the same way doesn't mean anybody's right or anybody's wrong and I think if you can remember that especially when you're dealing with a spouse or a mate uh, it's a good thing to know because there will be plenty of things that you never agree on and it's not a good reason not to love somebody just because they disagree with you
0: That's a great one, and it's funny because it happens to be one that I use a lot myself, but I love that point of just because you may not agree on everything doesn't mean you don't love that person.
1: And the research shows that um, almost all married couples have a minimum of nine irreconcilable differences, things on which they will never, ever agree. That's the research of John Gottman at the University of Washington. So if we know that going in, that there's lots of stuff we're never going to agree on. We don't have to be shocked when we're not living happily ever after.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> we can learn some really good skills like how to communicate and how to come up with creative solutions and how to not kill somebody off just because they're thinking a little differently than we are.
0: I had no idea that was what the research was showing because, I mean, that takes so much pressure off.
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, if you think about it, it's quite easy to see. I mean, the number one cause of divorce, at least in this country, is money. And almost every single couple you look at, there will be a saver and a spender. And it's not an accident that it happens this way. This is sort of nature's trick to get us to heal our childhood wounds and to grow up and become emotionally mature adults. Uh, It doesn't mean that the saver's wrong or the spender's wrong. We just have a different orientation to money. Well, what is important is that we learn how to be vulnerable and communicate why we are the way we are and come up with a, a plan that everybody can live with so that nobody's policing each other when it comes to how the money's getting handled.
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely a big rub for a lot of folks. And it, it, I think it makes a big difference to recognize that's that's normal. There's going to be that difference there almost every time.
1: Yeah, and there's always usually somebody who uh, is very good at expressing their emotions particularly their anger and their upset and somebody else who totally resists confrontation and shuts down and goes silent you know and and how do you learn to live with that you know so it's there's lots of ways in which it looks like something's wrong when in fact it's just an opportunity for growth
0: yeah well I'll tell you what one of the things that, that our listeners love about this show is the the stories that our guests share. And what I'd love to do is, if you would take us to a time in your life, Ariel, when you, well, you, you, maybe you kind of tripped up in a partnership. And what i am love to have you tell us is, what was the story behind it? In other words, what were you doing? What did you trip on? And then what did you learn from that experience that's helped you move forward?
1: Well, that's actually the reason I've written this book, Turn Your Mate Into Your Soulmate, because... I was a first-time bride at the age of 44, and what I quickly discovered, even though I was 100% certain I had married my soulmate, soon after we got married, all these differences started to show up. And one of the first things I realized was that I had absolutely no partnership skills. What I was really good at was being the boss. I was used to running my own business (laughs) and telling people what to do. And I had no clue that uh, that uh, a masculine-oriented man was not interested in being told what to do. <laughs> uh, I didn't really understand that men's brains were different and that they operated differently. And one of the first things that came up was back when we got together 19 years ago. I had a PR firm in Beverly Hills, and I had a lot of very famous clients. I I would worked with Deepak Chopra for 12 years and Wayne Dyer and Marianne Williamson and pretty much everybody in the self-help genre. And I came home from the office one night and I announced to my husband, oh, we're having dinner tonight with Deepak and Rita Chopra. And he gave me this look that I'd never seen before. And I said to him, well, what's the problem? And he said, but you didn't ask me. And I said, well, don't you want to go? <laughs> and he said, yes, I'd like to go. I said, but what's the problem? He said, well, you didn't ask me. And I said to him, well, if I knew you'd want to go, why do I have to ask you? And he said, because it's the polite thing to do. And at this point, my brain is turning to mush. I do not (laughs) understand at all what the problem is. You know, and that was sort of the the beginning of of seeing that that, uh, even if I knew that he would want to do something, he expected to be... Uh, consulted that he did not want his schedule tampered with without his permission, and uh, it, and then I went and checked it out with some other friend, guys that I knew, and they said the same thing. Who knew? You know, it's like so. That was just one little thing that I discovered. Uh, the, the other issue that came up was Brian was constantly saying saying to me, "You are not listening to me," and and i would be able to parrot back to him what he had said and he said no you may know what i said but you're not listening which was his code for you're you know looking at your text messages you're on your email you're watching tv while you're answering me he wanted my full and complete attention You know, he was the youngest child, so being seen and heard is really important to him. I'm an oldest child. I'm not interested in anybody but myself. (laughs) (laughs) And it took me a long time to really understand that for, for him, being listened to meant that I wasn't multitasking, which I'm prone to do, that I actually turned my body in his direction, put my focus on him, and really paid attention. He wanted me to be present which I have never been good at. For somebody who wants to be heard, he sort of made the worst possible choice in picking me. But now we just laugh about it, most of the time anyway, because we see that you know, marriage really is a place to heal all your childhood wounds. I needed to learn how to listen. He needed to, to understand that um, you know, that being heard was important to him. So it was just stuff that we've worked through over the years.
0: That's great. And I, I, I love the distinction you made of, of the fact that, you know, you were a first-time bride at 40, and I think a lot of those things show up when we've got a little bit more life on behind us, right? We've, we've got what they say is, you know, set in your ways, and we don't realize that that's not always how the world has to work.
1: No, and there's nobody to mirror back the behavior, you know. So we are raised in a particular container, a particular home, and we think what we saw and what we do is normal, and then we get hooked up with somebody who grew up in a totally different space you know and then all the stuff we think is normal and they think is normal are clashing you know it's like um, brian grew up with a mother who was very neat and orderly and everything's in its place and clean and my mother was an entrepreneur and she was hardly ever home and busy working and i have um, a real ease with clutter and messiness <laughs> <laughs> a nice way to put it. And so Brian was always complaining to me, why did you leave your cup in the sink and how come there's crumbs around the toaster? And and I would like say to him, what crumbs? And then finally one day he made this came up with this brilliant thing. He said, "You know what I realized that your cup in the sink and the crumbs around the toaster are really my problem, not yours." He said, "You have a blind spot to all of this stuff. I'm the one who's bothered." so I'm just gonna clean up after you
0: Wow, that's a good one
1: but that's really what what I call wabi-sabi love it's about finding the beauty and perfection in imperfection you know if you're the one who's bothered by something then do something about it because why you know why should he make me change a way that I just naturally am I'll tell you a story that really illustrates this much better I had a woman in one of my workshops once, who who stood up and said to me, I've got a problem even you can't solve. And I said, well, what's that? And she said, she said, I'm a real neat freak. I'm a perfectionist. Everything's in its place. I love everything to be orderly. And I've been married to Garth for 16 years, and he's a total chaotic slob, and it makes me crazy. And I've bitched, moaned, whined, and complained for 16 years, and nothing ever changes. She said, the good news is he works out of state two weeks of every month. So when he's gone, the house is mine. It's totally pristine and clean. But then within hours of Garth coming home, it's a mess again. And she said, I have to admit, it makes me so crazy I've thought about leaving him. So I said to her, I said, Stephanie, do you have a dog? She said, yes. I said, does your dog shed? Yes. What do you do when the dog sheds? Oh, I vacuum up after him. Okay, Stephanie, do you love your dog? And she got really quiet, and then she said, Oh, my God, Garth sheds. (laughs) And she got in that moment that just like the dog absolutely can't do anything about shedding, neither can Garth. And so I called her a year later just to see how it was going, And she said, oh, things are so good. They've never been better. We've never been more in love. In fact, Garth quit his out-of-state job so he can work from home. And we're now together 24-7. And yes, he's still a slob, and I love him for it. Wow. Now, he didn't change because she was a personally responsible adult who realized where the problem was. The problem was in her perception. And she shifted her perception of what I call going from annoyed to enjoyed. She reframed the story because she saw after 16 years, he really couldn't change. Just like the dog can't help shedding, he couldn't change. Now, of course, this doesn't work in places where there's bad behavior, abuse, or addiction, right? You need professional help for those things. But just about any other annoying thing, that your spouse or mate is doing, you can reframe the story and find something good about it and make that your new story. And I've got dozens of stories like that if you want more of
0: them. Well, that's fantastic. And what I love about that is my next question for you was a story of a time when you had that kind of duh moment. And it sounds like a woman in this space definitely had one of those duh moments.
1: Well, my issue was that I I believe that the proper way to squeeze a tube of toothpaste is from the bottom up and that you roll it up and you squeeze out every little drop of toothpaste. I'm and the same. That's, You can tell I'm the saver in the family, not the spender. And uh, I married a guy who's a mangled from the middle squeezer. <laughs> and For the first couple of years we were together, every time I'd see this mangled tube of toothpaste, I'd have these judgmental thoughts, you know, like, why can't he just do it right? And sometimes I'd even talk to him about it, and I'd show him the proper way to squeeze the toothpaste, and he would just look at me like I was completely bonkers, like, what are you talking about? But it did bother me, and I thought, it's not right that every day, often multiple times a day. I have these negative, judgmental thoughts about my really cute soulmate husband who just doesn't know the proper way to squeeze toothpaste. So I decided one day to figure it out. I kept saying to myself, what is the wabi-sabi love solution to this tube of toothpaste? And at first I thought, well maybe I need two tubes of toothpaste, his and hers, and that way mine can be neat and his can be messy. But then I realized I would still see his tube of toothpaste and it would still bother me. So I had a conversation with the tube of toothpaste I actually held it in the palm of my hand and I kept asking it, what's good about you? And it didn't say anything. I asked again, what's good about you? And eventually the answer came to me, which was simply this, it was like, thank God I married a man who brushes his teeth. And now every time I see the mangled tube of toothpaste because it's still mangled, I smile because I realize that we'll grow old together and he'll still have his teeth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is great. That is such a, a, a powerful transformation. I mean, it sounds kind of silly, but it's, at the same time, it made such a difference. And the funny reason why it, it hits me so hard is that's the exact same thing that happened in reverse with with my partner, Anna is she's the squeeze in the middle person and I'm the roll it up person and we did the exact same thing we had two tubes of toothpaste and then we found like this this is silly and
1: it isn't so silly because it's just the stuff that bothers us you know sometimes it's bigger stuff but if it's bothering you if you can reframe the story that's one less negative thought that you're gonna have
0: that's true very true I have no doubt that our listeners are going to be like, hello, I can name mine, whether it's a toothpaste or something else. And what I'd, I'd love to ask you to do right now, Ariel, is would you do us a favor and share a story of one of your proudest partnership moments? And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, romantic, family, career, wh- whatever area it falls into, but just one of those times where when you think of it, it just makes you smile.
1: Well, it actually happened last week. Uh, Brian had gone with me to L.A. to give a talk about turn your mate into your soulmate and I was sharing about one of the daily practices of why it's so important to give your mate five appreciations or acknowledgements every day not just sometimes but every day and then a couple of days later I was acknowledging him for something and honestly I can't remember in this moment what it was but when I was done He said, thank you. And then he said, well, where's my other four? (laughs) (laughs) That was so cute that he'd actually been listening to my talk because I didn't know if he was tuning out or not. But I thought it was great. You know, even somebody as confident as he is still likes to have five appreciations every day. So it sort of put me on the spot because (laughs) I had to quickly think up four. Which I did, but I I thought, yeah, I should practice what I preach. It's actually not that easy.
0: Yeah, and it it is, right? It takes practice. Yes. And it's funny because I, I, I think one of the things that happens when we do that and when we, you know, are thinking about, oh, what are the things I appreciate about my partner is that reticular activator in our mind starts to look for them all day long. So yeah, it becomes easier and easier, and you're like, "Oh yeah, that, oh yeah, I really appreciate this. I really appreciate that." And it becomes so easy because you're programming yourself to focus on what you appreciate instead of what's bug- bugging you about your partner.
1: Yes, and that's an important thing to remember because you know what what we focus on is what we get, and women in particular seem to be heat-seeking missiles for what's wrong with their spouse or their mate and so they can quickly tell you what they'd like to change and what's not working but there was a study done at the University of Buffalo that focused on couples who deliberately wear rose-colored glasses and what they found is those people have happier longer more satisfying marriages because they're always looking for what's right instead of looking for what's wrong
0: yeah makes total sense interesting so I know we've been talking about kind of past experiences and partnership, and what I'd love to do is bring this into present time. Would you do us a favor and share an example of a a partnership that's in your life right now that you're just really excited about?
1: Um, Well, my biggest excitement right now is the Art of Love series, which is an annual free online event that I do where I interview the world's top love experts And this year, we're focused on single successful women looking for a conscious man. And when programming this, I came across all kinds of really new research and information about love and relationships and dating and mating that was totally new to me and I know will be new to our listeners. And it's 100% free content. Anybody can sign up for it. You just have to go to thelovesummit.com, thelovesummit.com, and it starts uh, and goes live on April 26th of 2016.
0: Fantastic. I I didn't realize it was coming up because I've listened to that for the last couple of years, and the information is just amazing.
1: Yeah, it's fun. It's so much fun for me to do it, the new stuff that I find all the time and, and that I'm able to learn, so it's... I feel like every year this time I get a free PhD in love as I'm doing all the interviews of all the scientists and researchers and other experts out there.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, Ariel, we've arrived at a part of the show I call Bring It All Home. And, And what this is is where we step away from the stories and I ask you to provide some simple concrete guidance for our listeners that they can kind of take home in their pocket and apply right now. And Where I'd like to start is what do you feel is like the best partnership or relationship advice that you ever received from someone else?
1: You know, I would say be kind, really. Just really be kind and compassionate and considerate. Uh, everybody's really trying their hardest to do the best that they can. Your partner did not wake up this morning thinking, hmm, how could I make Ken miserable today? What could I do to ruin his day? You know, and yet a lot of the times we're living like people are doing stuff to us on purpose and they're not. You know, and if we can understand that our soulmate, our spouse, our mate is really there to be our biggest cheerleader and our supporter and our safe place to land and approach them with a lot of love, kindness and compassion, it could make life a whole lot easier.
0: That's that's so... I think, overlooked because it's so simple, right? It
1: but, is, but just like, you know, you want to take care of that which is precious to you. And if you ask most people, what's the most precious thing in the world to you, they'll say, my relationship. And yet, if you look at where they actually spend their time, it's anywhere but their relationship.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Well, let me ask you this. I Obviously, I know you're... the author of 10 books and and you have amazing, amazing books. I've loved several of them. (laughs) Um, What I'm wondering is, what's a book that you recommend to people other than your own, or maybe it's a resource that you feel really, really helps people get nailed down on, on where to take things?
1: You know, I really like the book, The Five Love Languages by Dr. Gary Chapman. It's a super easy, fast read, but it really lets you take a quick quiz to see what's your love language like how do you most feel loved and appreciated and then you can either identify your partners or have your partner take the quiz and there's five of them, I'll see if I can remember them, one is about um, words of affection, one is about touch and quality time, one is about acts of service, one's about gifts I forget what the fifth one is but for some people They only feel loved when they're given a really special gift. Other people like myself, I'm not, I don't, receiving a gift is nice. It does nothing for me. But if you're holding my hand or you're whispering sweet words of love to me, that's how I feel loved and appreciated. So it's really important to understand what your partner's love language is so that they can feel more loved and seen and heard and acknowledged and it's a simple simple concept but the it will change your relationship entirely if you know how to how to play with it.
0: Yeah, that that is a great great resource. I I couldn't agree more and actually it's funny how often that gets recommended by guests on the show. So thank you for that. Now what I'd love to have you do Ariel if you wouldn't mind is is let's leave our listeners with an example of what I call the payoff of partnership. So Is there a specific example of something that you were able to do or create or experience that that really was the sole result of being in a partnership that wouldn't have happened without it?
1: Yeah, I would say the last 18 years of my life have been amazing since Brian and I got together in ways that were totally unpredictable. Because when we got together, I was a total and complete workaholic, mad woman, driven by ambition, and Brian's approach to life was couldn't be more different, 180 degrees different. His, he, he is really up to making sure that everybody he comes in contact with has the experience of being loved. So being with him, uh, not only do I get the benefit of who he is as a love chakra on legs every day, It's made me a more loving, more gentle, kinder person. I have given up my workaholic ways to a fair degree, not entirely. I've (laughs) learned to savor and appreciate life in new ways. And what it's also shown me is that having his level of love and devotion has doubled my income without me having to work any harder. There's something about having a supportive, loving partner that put me into an entirely new zone of receiving abundance. I don't know if that's making any sense, but that's that's what has happened.
0: No, absolutely. That's that's a great example. Thank you. And, and thank you to Brian for all he's been doing.
1: Yeah, I could not be who I am or do what I do without the the safety net of who he is for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, you obviously are an amazing resource of of information around relationships and partnerships and, and how we can enhance those. Would you do me a favor? Would you let our listeners know the best way to contact you and learn more about what you do?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, if you go to my website, soulmatesecret.com, soulmatesecret.com, you can actually download the first three chapters for free from the new book, Turn Your Mate into Your Soulmate. You can sign up for my newsletter. I have a tab at soulmatesecret.com called Free Stuff, which has all kinds of cool things on it. So that's the best way to reach me.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, that that's, that's so great. And, you know, I'm just sitting here going, how fortunate am I to be able to have this conversation with you? It's it's really been incredible. And I know, I, like I said, I've, I've gotten a lot from this. I know our listeners have, too. Ariel, thank you so much for taking time to be on the show today.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed it.
0: You're very welcome. Thank you for listening to Speaking of Partnership. Head over to SpeakingofPartnership.com for links and recaps of every show and so much more. I release a brand new episode every Monday through Friday. So make sure you don't miss a single show. Go to your favorite podcast directory, search for Speaking of Partnership, and click subscribe. Like what you hear? Leave us a rating and review on Stitcher and iTunes. The greatest compliment you can give the show is to refer us to someone else, either in person or on the web. Have a great day. And remember, even when you stumble, you're still moving forward. Peace.